0: Everyone and welcome to another episode of the Pensburg Podcast, the second episode of the 2021 regular season. I am your host Garrett Bahana. Joined alongside me is uh, Frank Miola. Frank, uh, if you haven't, if you didn't join us last week, Frank is uh, still. I guess you could still consider him the new guy around these parts. But uh, Frank, how are you doing? I'm I'm excited to talk some hockey with you.
1: I'm doing well, doing well. Yes, yeah, very excited to talk some hockey. We have a lot to get into today. Um, some an interesting week for the penguins to say the least an interesting week and uh, I'm excited to get going with you
0: yeah we'll we'll dive right into it here frank and uh the penguins it, it's always better to play or it's always better to record a podcast once the season really gets going the penguins have played a couple of more games since we put out last week's episode uh the penguins have played since played games against the Philadelphia Flyers and two games a two game series against the Washington Capitals and uh, we'll briefly go through these games and highlight some of the bigger moments from these games. We'll start with the uh, the second game the Penguins played against the Philadelphia Flyers and uh, Frank it was another loss for the Penguins this time around. Uh, and it was a loss that would bring the Penguins down to an 0-2 record. Uh, The Penguins really didn't look all of that hot here. Uh, Travis Konechny, from what I can recall, recorded a hat trick in this game. Yes, he recorded a hat trick uh, as part of the five goals that the Flyers scored on this night. Uh, The Penguins, Frank, I think they look flat in this game, flat, sloppy. Uh, They would rebound, as we'll get to it uh, a little later on in this recap uh, segment. But uh, the Penguins really didn't look that too inspired. Uh, they still had questions in net as it related to Tristan Jari's play, and I'm sure we'll touch on that in a little bit. Uh, but Frank, do you have any thoughts on what you saw from the Penguins' uh, second game of the season in which they lost 5-2 to two to the Philadelphia
1: Flyers? Yeah, you mentioned that they came out and they looked flat. And um, starting early on this season, uh, we, there's a lot more question marks with this team than... Uh, then I think we originally anticipated coming into the season and we touched on it last game or last, uh, episode and it's, it's carried over into this one. And it it goes back to the defense and the goal, the goaltending situation. And I'm going to have to eat crow on this one because I, I had faith and I mentioned it on the last episode in Tristan Jari. I thought, you know, after one game, we really didn't see too much out of him, but to give up, uh, three goals on six shots in in your second game of the year and to only play 11 and a half minutes in this game against the Flyers it's not good um we have not seen the Tristan Jari of last year and it's it's not good it's, it does not bode well for the Penguins Casey DeSmith has played well uh in his in his uh backup duties I guess when called upon but is he the solution? The solution was supposed to be Jari. This is the whole reason we let we traded Matt Murray away. So there's a lot of question marks with this team right now. And what we saw against the Flyers was what we saw in the first game—just flat. Uh, special teams was pretty pretty putrid, if you ask me. Uh, just no fight. Just no playing behind as usual. And that that's going to be the theme of the of this year, it seems like. And we'll talk more about the Capitals games coming up here shortly. Um, But, yeah, just playing behind, playing from behind, and then just no defense and no goaltending, if you ask me. So a lot of question marks that need answered, and we'll we'll dive into a little more of that.
0: Yeah, Frank, uh, we talked about this uh, last week in our first episode of the season, and I was very quick to point out, I I said, you, you know, it's, Uh, It's easy to draw conclusions from the the first batch of games that all of these teams, not just the Penguins, but all of the teams around the league that like they haven't had a traditional training camp, a traditional preseason. So, you know, I I don't think it's fair to draw all of these types of conclusions uh, about a team when they've only played uh, less than, you know, less than as many games as you can count on one hand, you know. Uh, But to your point, Frank. Looking at Tristan Jari's stats right here through the season so far, he's played two games. He's started two games. He has an 0-2 record, uh, a 761 goals against average, and a 727 save percentage. Uh, Obviously, those are just absolutely dreadful numbers, and they're inflated numbers because, you know, if a a goaltender is going to play over the course of an entire season, uh, you you know, obviously you expect those numbers to go down. Obviously, no one's going to play with a 727 save percentage or a 761 goals against average over the course of an entire season. It was a little bit concerning to watch Tristan Jari, uh, like you said, kind of not be the man that we were anticipating him to be coming into the season. And like you said too, uh Casey DeSmith has played admirably in replacing Tristan Jari, but at some point, Frank, I think you have to, and I think Mike Sullivan will go back to Tristan Jari. You know, you, you have to expect him to shake off this rust. You know, there's only so many games in this season, 56 games. So uh, I can see why Sullivan might be hesitant because, Uh, A lot of these points are going to matter early on in the season. Uh, You know, you have to get points wherever you can, especially in a condensed schedule. Uh, But, boy, Frank, I I don't know when the next time we're going to see Tristan Jari. We may see him uh, later on tonight. Uh, By the time this episode goes out, we may see him later on tonight uh, play the New York Rangers. But uh, Frank, yeah, to your point, Tristan Jari has not delivered some promising returns early on in this regular season. Moving on, Frank, we'll talk about the two games that the Pittsburgh Penguins played against the Washington Capitals. Uh, as you kind of alluded to, Casey DeSmith uh, has played pretty well in Jari's absence. He was the starter here for the first game the Penguins played against the Capitals. And Frank will come right out and say it. The Penguins do get their first win of the season against the Washington Capitals here, a shootout win that we'll touch on. Uh, But Frank, I think looking at this game, this was a back-and-forth, one-team-scores, another-team-scores, one-team-scores, another-team-scores. Uh, eventually, these two teams are tied at three. Uh, they go into an overtime. Three-on-three three overtime is a lot of fun, especially with the talent that these two teams have. Uh, but uh, overtime was not going to settle this game. It was going to take a shootout, and uh, I believe Jake Gensel was the only person— out of both teams to score in the shootout. And Jake Gensel would give the Penguins that additional point and their first win on the season against the Capitals. So, Frank, looking back at this game, the first game they played against the Capitals, is there anything that you can recall that stood out that you thought, oh, wow, that's a a pretty good development for the Penguins uh, as they progress on in the season?
1: I just like that third line again, uh, Garrett. That third line of uh, Tanev, uh, Jankowski, and... Remind me of the third player. Remind me, Garrett.
0: Um, McCann, Jankowski.
1: McCann. That's it. I was drawing a blank there, but uh, just the third line again. Just coming out and just outplaying every other line. Honestly, Uh, maybe except for the Crosby line, of course. But this this line just uh, fights. And Tanev, again, he's been a he's been a light that we didn't expect to see. I know last year when they signed him. You and I kind of talked about it. Wow, they gave this guy a six-year deal. Was it really worth it for that kind of money? We really hadn't seen that out of him. And then last year he came in, did did his job well, and this year he's carried it over, and he's he's got two very good players alongside of him on that line. Um, another guy I liked, uh, I liked what I saw from, was Casey DeSmith. Yeah, he gave up, what was it, three goals, but uh, he's the backup. He did, he did an admirable job uh, coming in and, Trying to stop the bleeding as the Penguins really, really needed this win against Washington. Um, really kept them in this game. Um, as you said, they went back and forth. Typical uh, Capitals-Penguins type of game. Go back and forth. But uh, DeSmith really gave the the Penguins a chance to win this game. Really kept them in it. Um, and then, as you mentioned in the, in the shootout, Jake Gensel uh, stepped up and uh, got the game-winning goal. But just that third line of the Penguins. And... Casey DeSmith just you know keeping us in this game and uh badly badly get it helping us uh to attain this win
0: yeah Frank uh I think it's 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 obviously a positive development that the the bottom six and more specifically the third line are chipping in offensively and, and you're starting to see them become a lot more noticeable perhaps more noticeable than I was originally going to give them credit for uh we 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 kind of knew the the players that McCann and Tanev were. I think McCann is a versatile forward. Um, Brandon Tanev, we know he's really a speedster. I mean, his nickname is Turbo, for crying out loud. But on the other side of that sword, um, you know, hopefully, and we'll we'll get into this uh, when we begin to recap the, the second game against the Capitals in a couple of seconds here, hopefully the bottom six will be complimentary to the superstars, that being Crosby and Malkin. Hopefully, and and I I don't want to specifically target Sidney Crosby because I think he's been superb to start this regular season. More so, Malkin. Uh, has really been a a bit of a mystery so far and uh, we'll specifically touch on him in this other game against the Capitals, uh, his contributions to that game. But I agree, Frank, I think the bottom six is really starting to form an identity with the players who uh, who are involved uh, in those lines. But, uh, moving to the second game against the Washington Capitals, it, it was the Penguins second win of the season. Always nice to get two wins against a divisional opponent like the Capitals, another crazy wild comeback win for the Penguins. They win five to four in overtime and, uh. This was the season debut of Casper Kapanen. Uh, Frank, I'll just come out and say it. I thought Casper Kapanen had a superb Penguins debut. I thought he was all over the ice and used his speed to create a couple of plays that were very noticeable. Um, uh, I think this game has also been talked about because of the crazy three-on-five shorthanded goal that Teddy Bluger scored as a result of Casey DeSmith's crazy pass. Uh, C- Casey DeSmith basically broke... Teddy Bluger free in the neutral zone and and Bluger uh, tucked that one away to score a crazy goal. It was um, that goal would uh, make the score four to three at that point. The Capitals were leading, I believe they were leading four to three uh, or four to two, excuse me. Bluger's goal would make it four to three for the Capitals. Uh, the Penguins would tie the game. Uh, while they were down 4-3 to three in the second period, they would tie the game from an Evgeny Malkin power play goal. Finally, Evgeny Malkin gets off the schneid here, registers his first goal of the season. Frank, I don't know if you saw Evgeny Malkin's goal uh, on the power play. It was an absolute laser beam. Hopefully, this is what Evgeny Malkin needs to finally kick him into gear and become the player that we've all been accustomed to. Uh, But to finish off this recap on my end, the Penguins go into overtime, tied at four with the Capitals. Sidney Crosby gets a beautiful overtime winner. The Penguins win five to four, get their second win of the season. And uh, Frank, that's about all I have to say on the recap side of this game. Uh, What were some of your thoughts that you had coming out of the Penguins' second win of the season?
1: I thought they started out very slow in this game. They they looked very sluggish. Um, Just, again, no fight to start the game. It looked like they just showed up late to the party. Um, You had opportunities that the Washington Capitals had. They had, at one point, I believe in the second period, it was a 3-on-0 chance. Like, how do you how on earth do you give up a three on on0 chance? Like what, where was the team? What, what, what went wrong? And again, it, it I don't want to say it goes back to like coaching or it just goes back to being aware and being like, not, not, not sluggish. Basically. I hate to use that word, but just not, they're not being, they're not playing as a team right now. And you can see the chemistry is just not there for some, some, li- some of the lines and, uh we're going to i believe we're going to touch on Malkin here in a second and um i know he has scored a, a power play goal in this game and it, it as you mentioned it was a rocket it was a uh, typical Geno style uh one timer and puts it right by the goaltender and that's what we want to see from him but he is just um come out slow to start this year and this to start this game and give up opportunities that should have never even happened. So again, this, this team is, is going to face a lot of adversity this year and it's just how they, how they respond to it and how they move on.
0: Yeah. And Frank, they're going to move on to a two game series with the New York Rangers that begins later tonight. And uh, we'll dive into, uh, what the what the New York Rangers are looking like. I think it's no secret if you're a New York Rangers fan that they're still in the middle of a rebuild that, you know, to their credit, I, I think the Rangers, I don't think anyone pegged them to do anything crazy this year, especially with the teams that are in this division. I, like I had mentioned a thousand times before, even before we had started podcasting, I think this is a very top-heavy division with the Capitals, Bruins, Penguins, Flyers, and Islanders. So I, I really don't think there's a way for the Rangers to get into the playoffs this season. But nevertheless, I th- still think this is a team that has a, a lot of young talent, namely in the young players that they hope become cornerstones of their franchise. And Capo Kako, uh, the number one overall pick in in 2020, Alexis Lafreniere. Uh As of uh, as of right now, Pavel Bujnovic. Leads the Rangers. He's tied, uh, tied with Artemi Panarin, with four points uh, for the team lead in points. Um, so uh, those look to be the early providers of offense for the New York Rangers. Uh, you would expect a guy like Artemi Panarin to obviously be up there. Uh, Alexis Lafreniere has played in. Uh, he has played in three games so far, hasn't registered his first NHL point. Uh, you have to imagine uh, a, a young man with his skill set uh, points are certainly going to come. But, Frank, um, looking ahead, we'll touch on the, the this two-game series rather briefly because there are other uh, more pressing Penguins issues that I want to talk about. But, um, you know, I, I think the Rangers... Are a team that's obviously still in rebuild mode. They might be able to sneak out a, a, a gutsy win here or there. But like I said, looking at the way that this division is is assembled, looking at the talent that other teams in this division have, I don't think the Rangers are going to be uh, much of a threat to any of the big dogs in this division. But I still believe they do have some talent coming through their system, and in a couple of years' time, you know, they may return to metropolitan division. Uh, prominence, but uh, Frank, do you have any thoughts you want to share as the Penguins begin to take on the Blue Shirts in uh, in the New York Rangers?
1: I think this is a good opportunity for Mike Sullivan to start Tristan Jari and to see, you know, where he's at. I mean, we've seen where he's at to start the year against the likes of the Flyers and the Capitals. Now you put him against the team, uh, rebuilding team in the New York Rangers. Can he, you know, gain some of his confidence back in hopefully getting a win against a, this, a team that is in full rebuild mode? Because clearly Jari has lost, if not all of his confidence, most of it. Um, so, again, we were talking about it earlier. Does Mike Sullivan, when does he go back to Jari? I think this is the perfect opportunity for him to start him, if not uh, one of the games against the Rangers, start him in both. You know, see how he does, and I think, would say this would be a good assessment for Mike Sullivan to see from here on out. If, if, if Jari can't stop a team like a rebuilding Rangers, not to, not to talk down about the Rangers, but clearly they're in a rebuild clearly they're not the te- not the team that um, they were in the past. And as you mentioned, they're most likely won't make the playoffs. So Mike Sullivan, a good assessment right now would be for him to put in Jari and to see where he's at. And, Hopefully Jari can, like I said, pick up a win, gain some confidence back and hopefully move on, you know, to the likes of the Bruins and other powerhouses in this team as because right now the Penguins, they need points and they need points bet.
0: Yeah, uh, I think putting Jari back in net for a team like the Rangers who like, a, like we both said now really aren't going anywhere. I think that might be the perfect opportunity for Jari to, you know, maybe see he, if he's all of the, all there mentally, if he's, you know, completely focused on that end. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what lineup decisions Mike Sullivan goes with in net. Uh, but Frank, we do know, that Mike Sullivan is going to have to change the lineup around, especially on defense. This has become a large talking point early on in the season with the Penguins. All of a sudden in the second game, the Penguins played against the Washington Capitals for the entirety of that third period, I believe. And the, well, the rest of the game, because they went into overtime, they were playing with only four healthy defensemen. So they were basically down to two defense pairings, uh, you, so and, um, Uh, Who was the other one? Usher Ricola and Marcus Pedersen both left the game due to injury. And in Marcus Pedersen's case, he took a very scary hit from Capitals forward T.J. Oshie. And, uh, Frank, we we have since learned from Mike Sullivan that Pedersen will be out, quote, week to week. And Ricola is longer term. So, Frank, when you look at these labels that Sullivan has provided with uh, Pedersen and Ricola, these really don't sound like very encouraging injuries that, you know, maybe uh, Pedersen picked up a nick and, you know, maybe he'd be good to go against the the Rangers and the same for Ricola. Both of these injuries, while while we don't know concrete details, with Mike Sullivan giving us uh, this time frame here of Pedersen being week to week and Ricola longer term, uh, it, it's not very encouraging news for a defense that we've already talked about and has already been really exposed as a rather weak unit early on so far. So this is what the Penguins were working with uh, on January 21st while they were in practice. Uh, these are their defensive pairs specifically. They had Dumoulin and Latang on that top pair, which is what you'd expect. Uh, John Marino and Cody Ceci were on the second defensive pair and P.O. Joseph, Pierre Olivier Joseph, the, the, the big return, the big player in the field castle trade to the Arizona coyotes and Kevin churchman, were uh, rounded out the the, uh, the defensive unit. And it should be noted that Chad Ruedel, um was not at practice. I believe it was because he had, uh, I think he had celebrated uh, uh, the birth of a child with his wife. I believe that's why he was excused from practice. So I would anticipate Chad Ruedel to be somewhere in that defensive unit, maybe replacing a, a guy like Kevin Churchman, uh, who doesn't have a ton of really great NHL experience, but Frank, looking at these defensive pairs, uh, the Penguins are already going to be put to the test with uh, how far their defense can take them with injuries to Ricola, um, Marcus Pedersen, and Mike Matheson, too, who, who will be out longer term. So Frank, looking at these defensive pairs, um, you know, like we've said, this this team is going to be put to the test. This defense is going to be, be put to the test. What do you make of these makeshift Penguins defensive pairs in practice? And what do you make of the Penguins defense moving forward?
1: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price Priceline. Uh, not good. It's a scary thought to think about. Most, uh, more than half of your starting defense, uh, defenseman is, if not on IR, could most certainly be headed there. Um, As you mentioned. Week to week for I believe you said Pedersen and then yes longer term for Ricola. So again, two those are two of your pretty solid defensemen, especially with Pedersen um, being out. That it's not looking good for the Penguins and for a team that has already not looked good on defense to start the year um, with those guys in the lineup. Now you have to wonder: okay, is Jim Rutherford? you know, he's got an itchy trade finger. So is he working the phones right now? The problem he has, we're up against the salary cap. So it's not like he can easily call up a team and say, Hey, I need a defenseman. No, we're going to have to give up something. We're going to have to make moves ourselves to, you know, fit in a guy that I'm not sure if he's looking at top, top, uh, defenseman or just a guy to fill in who knows what uh, Jim Rutherford's looking at. I'm sure. I'm sure he's looking at defense, of course. Um, but, again it's not looking good right now for the penguins on defense especially when you have a go- a goaltender as well who's i like i mentioned lacking in confidence so um he needs all the help he can get and right now it's it's makeshift so um we just have to hope that help is on the way and the help that is certainly here right now can uh surprise many and Fill in admirably, admirably for the guys that are out. And uh, it's going to be a tough stretch here for a little bit. Um, but we just have to hope thing that things – I as I mentioned in the first episode of this podcast, the offense is going to have to do a lot of uh, scoring to help get back in these games. Um, so if our star power on offense can help limit the damage a little bit, uh, we'll be okay. But that's a lot to ask for guys that uh, – especially for Gino, for a guy like Gino, who is not all there right now. Um, That's a lot to ask. So again, this team, I I feel like a broken record saying it, but this team is in shambles right now. And it's not just on defense, but it is on offense and it is in goaltending as well.
0: Yeah. uh, It's uh, at least the immediate, the the, the immediate look of of these defense pairings don't look promising. Uh, it, It might be a bumpy road ahead for the Penguins, Um, and you know, like, like you had said, Frank, you hope that the offense is able to give them some extra support and they were already, I think the offense was already being counted on, especially that top six. They were already being counted on to produce at a high level. Uh, now even more so, I think they're going to have to do that. Uh, you know, you're not going to get abnormalities from that first line uh, of Dumoulin and Latang. even though, you know, both of those defensemen have looked a-, a little on and off. They've looked a little wishy-washy early on. Uh, John Marino, I think, is still settling. He He's set- settling in quite nicely in his sophomore season. Uh, Cody CC is a depth defenseman. That's what he was signed for. Uh, That it's reflective in his contract. It'll be interesting if Pierre Olivier Joseph makes his NHL debut uh, to see if the young defenseman uh, will. Uh, to see what he, the kind of player he is at the NHL level, finally getting his feet wet, maybe if he's called upon. So the Penguins, like you said, Frank, they will have their their work cut out for them on that blue line as it has already been depleted uh, with well, the Penguins have only played four games in this season. It seems like the Penguins, uh, they're always going through some sort of injury bug. and 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 it looks like early on this season, that is still proving to be the case. But uh, Frank, if you have nothing else left to add, we can move into our uh, mailbag segment. And uh, if you're if you've just found the Pennsburg podcast as the NHL season gets underway and you like what you're listening to, you can contribute to the Pennsburg podcast by asking us a question on Twitter. Every week we will send out a mailbag tweet from our Pennsburg podcast account at Pennsburg pod on Twitter, asking for your participation in this segment. And uh, we, we like to get all sorts of crazy and fun questions. Uh, we have four questions in this week's mailbag, and I think a lot of them are very fun, very interesting questions. So, uh, Frank, uh, you'll get first crack at answering this week's mailbag. Stephen Whitehouse kicks off the mailbag this week. He wants to know your thoughts on Jack Roslevic and the trade rumors that have surrounded the, the 23-year-old Winnipeg forward who remains unsigned. He wants to know, do we really need another depth depth forward? Uh when would he would he really improve the right wing? Assuming assuming that's where he slots in the lineup.
1: Do we need him? No, I I feel like he's an unnecessary uh, piece right now, especially with the uh, the defense and how how in shambles they are and will continue to be here for the long haul. Um, would would he be nice to have? Of course, yeah, of course. Always build up the depth. Where would he fit? The question is, is he a top six right now? In my mind, he's not top six. Yet. So do we need him? No. And I don't I don't think we should go out of our way to acquire a guy that is currently unhappy in the situation he's in. He's, I believe he's looking for a new contract from Winnipeg. Um, we don't really need that drama on a team that is already filled with a lot of question marks right now. And does he slot in? I don't think he's... Fit for the third line with how good we are right now, how good our third line is. Um, is he? Does he go as low as the fourth line if we were to get him? I mean, that's a question Mike Sullivan would have to answer again if Jim Rutherford pulls a trade off like this. Um, I don't see him as a top six on either the Crosby or Malkin line. Um, I just think he's an unnecessary piece right now. I think we should be focused more on defense and shoring up the defense and just getting a few more guys in here to help us along the way while we have the injuries that we do have and I was reading something earlier about the uh Ros Roslovic is it, am yep. I saying it right Roslovic the yep. uh, Winnipeg's looking for a left-handed defenseman currently three of our guys if memory serves me correct is injured that are left-handed defensemen and Marcus Pedersen and uh, Ricola and Mike Matheson. So, I mean, would any of those guys interest Winnipeg anyway? Would have interested Winnipeg, maybe Marcus Pedersen, but to me, he, that's overpaying. I just think it's an un- unnecessary piece, and I think it's something the Penguins should look away from right now.
0: I think the Roslevic trade rumors would have been... I think they would have caught more fire uh, before the injuries to Ricola and, and Pedersen, but now... Uh, with the the, the the gaping hole, really, on the, on the back end. I think acquiring Roslevic does nothing for the team. So um, I think this is a rumor. I mean, you never know with Jim Rutherford. Let's put that out there. You never know because I, I've always called him a, a gunslinging general manager. So uh, he could go out and acquire Roslevic. I don't know what he'd give up because, uh, you, you know, I, I see Roslevic as a depth player. I don't I really don't see a fit currently to agree with you Frank and if if Rutherford is going to get on the phone and make a trade if you're looking for more immediate help um it, I think it would definitely come on the defense at this point
1: uh just to add to that, I'm I don't have the Jets lineup or roster in front of me um but does Rutherford as you mentioned he's the gunslinging general manager does Rutherford Maybe package Roslevic with a Winnipeg defenseman. Again, I don't have the uh, roster in front of me, so I'm not going to speculate on that or anything. And I'm not sure if if Winnipeg has anything that would interest Jim Rutherford on the defensive side. So just just a wild thought of could they do a package deal and what would we have to give up to do it. But, again, I just feel he's unnecessary and and not a good fit right now. Um, But moving on. Uh, question, second question here. Uh, frytime asks Garrett, which league goalies would be the best player outside of the net?
0: Okay. So this is a really interesting question. <laughs> and, um, I had this conversation with my dad, not too long ago, we were, uh, we were talking about, um, some way or another Mark Andre Fleury came in a conversation and we were talking, oh, I know what we were talking about. We were talking about, uh, how the NHL could increase scoring and, uh, and, and that conversation led to me suggesting to shrink gold goalie equipment. And, um, the conversation then turned to Marc Andre Fleury. If you've ever looked at a Marc Andre Fleury, uh, without his like big lumbering pads on the dude is a twig. I mean, he is as skinny as skinny gets. He's obviously very athletic, uh, but he is, boy, he is a twig. He does not, you, would, you wouldn't, I mean, you really wouldn't know what he looks like with all those pads on, but holy moly. Uh, I know that's irrelevant to what Frytime was asking. What league goalies do you think would be the best player? Uh, so he doesn't specify whether it would be defense or forward. Um, you know, I've done some research on this. Uh, I, From what I recall reading, uh, I think Martin Brodeur has scored, I think he scored three goals as a goaltender in the NHL, I think. uh, So I'm not sure if that's the most by goaltenders ever scored. Uh, And I'm not saying goal scoring by goalie is the, the be all end all metric. If you're looking to see what goaltender can play defense or offense, but reading up on some of these goaltenders and their, their history with the game and how they grew up and how they became goaltenders, you know, a lot of these, a lot of big name goaltenders like uh, Brodeur, Roberto Luongo, Henrik Lundqvist, Ryan Miller, Um, you know, a lot of these guys, when they were growing up playing the game, they experimented with all sorts of positions, uh, defense, center, left wing, right wing, what have you, until they eventually one way or another found their way uh, in uh, between the pipes. Uh, So it's hard to say what player would be the best outside of the net. So I'm just going to go, if you're looking for a set answer, I'll just say Martin Brodeur because he scored the most goals. Definitely an interesting question, though. I don't know if there's any other stats that have been recorded. Uh, if if goaltenders have played out of position, I don't know if that's really ever been recorded. So uh, don't quote me on anything there. But I'll say Martin Brodeur would be the best player outside of the net. Uh, all right, Frank, you get question number three. Commander Kern is back, and he wants to know, what's up with Evgeny Malkin? He's gone from superstar just to taking up space. I know that seems harsh, but it's frustrating that someone so good seems to have become complacent over the years.
1: What is up with Evgeny Malkin? That is the question, and we just, we just saw him score in the last game against Washington, which is a good sight to see. I was just thinking something earlier. I was reading over this question, and I was thinking, what did what has happened to Malkin? And it just seems like ever since Phil Kessel came to town, and you heard about the them not getting along, and them always having what we'll call disagreements, and you know, Kessel not getting along with Mike Sullivan, and that it was when it was, it just seemed like around that time is when is when Gino just. Like it says in the question, became complacent. He, he just kind of—I don't want to say disappeared—because we did win two Stanley Cups, and he was a big part of that. But there was always the question every off season of: Is if, is he going to get traded? Is he going to? It's like I just said: Is it Kessel? Is it Malkin? Who was going to go? I'm not going to say they took a toll on him, but I'm sure trade rumors of that magnitude every off season since Kessel came to. T- had come to town, just took a toll on him. And, you know, it just seems like he's going through the motions, if you will. And he's got no fight. He's got no, no desire. Kessel's not there anymore. So there's not really an excuse as to why it's still carrying over. He's got, he does get paid a lot of money. Um, I'm not sure if those had contributed to some of the trade rumors this past off season, maybe Jim Rutherford looking to clear some salary cap space, Ultimately, he's still on the team, but it's just the complacency, as we just mentioned, of Malkin. Just it just seemed like around that time when Kessel was brought in, and it just seemed like that's when Malkin had become distant, if you will, and it's carried over into the twenty twenty one season.
0: I wanna I want to butt in here, and I want to provide a disagreement, and uh, I have debated with my dad on this issue a thousand times over, uh, for the last couple of seasons. And, uh, it's really, you know, it's, it's amplified because of Malkin's slow start to the season. But I will say that Evgeny Malkin, I believe he led the team last year in scoring, even though it was a shortened season in 55 games, he registered 74 points last year. So that's obviously well over a point per game. Uh, you know, is he the same player that we saw maybe five, ten years ago? No, I don't think so. I think at 34 years old, um, I don't think he's able to do the, the, the big fancy deeks that, you know, we may have seen in an earlier, a younger Evgeny Malkin. Uh, I think with his size, I don't know if he has the same burst, the same speed, but I do believe Evgeny Malkin is a valuable asset, specifically on the power play. You know, if it gets to a point in his career, however much longer he continues to play, um I still believe he can be an effective power play specialist like what we saw in the Washington game with that one-timer, that bullet, the the, the power play goal that he scored to tie the game at four. Uh, I still absolutely believe that he can be an effective goal scorer if put in the right scenario. But uh, I, I just wanted to play devil's advocate there uh, with, uh, with Evgeny Malkin uh, because I am still in the camp. I'm still a firm believer that Evgeny Malkin, is a very valuable commodity. I know a lot of people in this fan base are ha- and have been very fed up with Evgeny Malkin for how he has uh how he has turned out and how he has played, you know, some calling him sluggish or complacent or lazy, but uh I am not one of those people. I still think Crosby and Malkin play together. I still firmly believe that they retire together. Uh Chris Letang, you know, we we talk about the core; those three players being part of the core. I don't know if Chris Letang will retire uh, as part of the three-man group but as as long as Crosby and Malkin are on this team I want them playing together and I want them retiring together. I still think even at 34 Malkin has a, a good bit left in that tank. So um it'll be interesting to see if that power play goal gets him off the schneid there. But I just wanted to add that in before we before we hit this last question here and wrap everything up, Frank. Now you're you're free to go.
1: I would if we had more time I would rebu- make a rebuttal to that, but we will move on. We w- we can discuss that in private. Um, we will move on to this last question, though. And this last question comes from Brian. He asks, who do you think has the best flow on the team? Um, my vote, personally, would be for Jared McCann.
0: Um, I think the best flow on the team... Uh, well, Chris Letang is the first person that comes to mind. I mean, the, the, the dude has... You know, almost indirectly made a made a second career for himself just based on uh, just based on his hair. Uh, I think he could be a head and shoulders athlete. Uh, One of those kinds of athletes, you know, Troy Paul uh, represented head and shoulders, uh, obviously a Pittsburgh Steelers icon. Uh, So I think he has that kind of flow going for him. Um, uh, Brandon Tanev, he is. He made the rounds recently, right before the season started, with his very, very terrifyingly funny uh, promotional photo of him, and it looks like he's he's seen looking at a ghost in the picture that was taken. I think he has a great, uh, a great, um, a great flow, a great head of hair too. Uh, so my answer, I- I'll I'll pick two. I'm gonna say Latang and um, Latang and Brandon Tanev, both are tied for the best head of hair on the team frank who do you think has the, the best head of hair on the team
1: well since you picked two i guess i'll pick a second as well and my second is your second it's uh, brandon Tanev. i think that i'm gonna call it the pandemic hair because he didn't have that hair before the pandemic and now we're amidst the pandemic and he uh he decided to just let it go and I think he's like you mentioned that terrifyingly hilarious promotional picture that he took before the season started. That, that's where things just really kicked off in that direction of, uh, of his flow. And I just I was watching a little short clip on Instagram I think the other day of he had his helmet off and he was drinking drinking a from the squirt wa- squirt bottle and. Uh, just he had his hair and he was shaking it and stuff. And it was just like, it was one of the funny things to see. And, you know, uh, hey, when you're you're playing great, why not have great hair as well? So I think my two is Jared McCann and uh, Brandon Tanev. So those are my two.
0: I think it's, it's weird H- hair, you know, a hockey player's hair or a flow or whatever you want to call it. I think it's weirdly become, an identifying factor. And it's like people online, you, you know, they, they're, they, they, they go out of their way to, to kind of like make a list or, or judge players based on who has the best hairstyle, really weird. But you know, with the helmets that they wear, it's easy to grow out your hair and, and create one of those crazy flows. But, uh, Frank,
1: even, um, even uh, let me just add something real quick here. Sure, even, even come playoff time. There's always that, playoff beard that people grow and it's like it's like a superstition amongst fans and it's just hair like if i don't know it's a phenomenon of growing out your hair and it's like people don't the players do it too of course and it's just they don't shave it until they either win the stanley cup or obviously if they get eliminated but just pl- come playoff time. Always excited to see the playoff beards and how wacky they can get. Sometimes Sid always has a wacky one. So it's just just the thing about hair, I guess, that just makes everything better.
0: <laughs> well, hockey players I know for a fact are creatures of habit, and Sidney Crosby uh, is a creature of habit in his own. Uh, that the first person that came to came to mind when I said that was Crosby. But yeah, it, it's if if I was a hockey player. I've never played a, a second of ice hockey in my life, If but if I was, I don't know if I'd want super long hair. I, I think, I mean, first and foremost, if you know what I look like, I think I look better with, with short hair to begin with, so I don't think I'd want a super long, like, mullet-looking thing like the, the Yeramer Yager hair that he had back in the day. Um, I, I, I just, I don't think... I mean, it, it looks like visually it looks kind of cool if you're rushing down the ice and, you know, your hair is flowing in the wind or whatever. But um, I, I don't know. I, I I would I don't know if I'd ever be able to roll with super long hockey hair like some of these players do, Frank.
1: Yeah, I, I could never pull that off. I I just God bless them. And, you know, if it helps them to play great, then so be it. But that for me, that would just not work out well. No.
0: Well, uh, Frank, that was uh, one crazy way to end the mailbag and and one crazy way to end this episode of the Pensberg Podcast. Uh, Do you have anything else you wanted to add before we wrap this episode up?
1: Just go Pens.
0: Yeah. Uh, Short, sweet to the point. Hopefully this time next week the Penguins will have more wins than they do losses and we'll be able to see if they get on some sort of a roll uh, as the season really starts to pick up steam here and players finally start to get back into the groove. But for Frank Miola, I have been Garrett Bahanna. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Pensburg Podcast, and we will see you next week.